When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, hi there. And this is another episode of the Explaining History podcast. And uh, you can check us out at www dot explaininghistory.com. Um, today I'm going to talk about the aftermath of the Russian Civil War. Um, the Civil War lasted for three years from 1918 to 1921 and by the end of it Russia was utterly devastated. Um, the Russian Civil War ended in victory for the Bolsheviks under the leadership of Lenin, with Trotsky as the Commissar for Military Affairs. Um, Leon Trotsky remarked at the end of the Russian Civil War that they had had achieved victory, but had been forced to really destroy Russia in order to do so. And this hadn't been part of the Bolsheviks' um, plan. Um, some might argue that um, the Red Terror that was introduced during the Russian Civil War to uh, wipe out Russia's bourgeoisie was a clear part of Lenin's strategy. I would tend to think this is probably the case. Lenin was all for uh, destroying class enemies when the uh, opportunity presented itself. Um, however, I don't think really that um, the, de the scale of destruction was anything that the, the Bolsheviks had in mind. Um, when the Bolsheviks come to power, there is little um, by way of a clear plan of what to do um, for reasons various, one of them being that Karl Marx, when he had written his um, um, written Das Kapital, um, had given um, the, his disciples a lot of ideas about how revolution would happen, but not much of an idea of what to do once you'd achieved it. Um, Lenin, um, during the Russian Civil War, uh, introduced a policy, as we know, of war communism. War communism meant um, massive and devastating grain requisitions from the peasants, including the requisition of seed grain, which meant that the next year's harvest was guaranteed not to happen. The figures for how many people is killed are up in the air. Um, some scholars suggest it could be as high as seven or eight million. Probably it's around the five million mark. Um, so Lenin's um, first Soviet famine um, killed, you know, getting on for as many people as the Holocaust. Um, 
and the ex- there is a fair amount of evidence to suggest that this this was a kind of a deliberate famine. Um, the hungrier and more desperate you make the country, the more likely it is to listen to what the Bolsheviks have to say and to agree to whatever it is they want in the end. So um, I'm going to talk in another podcast about the actual course of the Civil War and the intervention of the Allied powers and that kind of thing. Um, I want to really talk about what happens afterwards in this podcast. There are three crises, basically, uh, for Lenin anyway. There's an uprising of the peasants, a mutiny of the Kronstadt sailors, and there is a um, an insurrection really within the Communist Party itself, uh, led by um, Alexandra Kolontai um, and the what is known the faction that is known as the Workers' Opposition. So we're going to address these one at a time. Firstly, the Peasants' Rebellion. There had been unrest from the peasantry really since the beginning of the um, the revolution. From February 1917 onwards, um, when the peasants realised that the landlords were no longer um, in charge and that the Tsar no longer ruled Russia and that his armies and police could not be used to prop up the, um, the nobility, um, there was anarchy in the countryside. Um, the, la- the peasants saw it as their opportunity that they'd been denied really since emancipation to finally claim land that they believed that rightfully belonged to them. As I've said before in previous podcasts, the peasants had this very simple, very democratic view that he who tills the land should own it. Um, And the idea of owning land for private profit to generate money from other people's labours was something of an anathema to them. Um, So throughout 1917, manor houses burn, landlords are chased away or murdered... And there's anarchy in the countryside, and it's very difficult to retain control over the countryside. Towards the end of 1917, the army starts to desert, really, because they're going back to the land, because they uh, are peasants. They don't want to be fighting the Germans anymore. They've heard rumours from back home that there's a land grab on, and they want a piece of it. Um, And so, really, the the Russian army starts to disintegrate as a, a revolution on the land happens. But the people that are seizing the land, these peasants on the land, haven't read Marx, they haven't read Lenin, they are largely, you know, the vast majority of them are illiterate, and they don't understand modern, complicated, political, revolutionary ideas. So the revolution on the land is very, very different, in fact almost completely different, from the revolution in the cities, which is really motivated by far more uh, politically articulated ideas. Um, So there is a big difference between the two, and we shouldn't see them as the same thing. The um, promise that Lenin makes to the peasants in April 1917, in his April Theses, or part of his April Theses, is the issue of land. He promises the peasants land uh, in order to get them on the side, but he this is a promise he had no intention of fulfilling. The idea that peasants would be allowed to do what they wanted with the land was a complete anathema to Lenin. Um, Lenin already had very um, advanced um, and articulated ideas um, about um, land ownership, and really he believed in collectivization. Collectivization meant that all the individual plots of land would be joined together into large, industrially um, um, farmed 
units um, and then using technology uh, such as tractors and modern farming techniques these would produce enough food not only to feed the towns and the cities but also to export in order to generate enough income and wealth to f power the next stage of industrialization. The to Lenin, uh, the land was simply too important to leave to the peasants. Um, during the Russian Civil War, um, the land again is absolutely crucial. The peasants are one of the great pieces of the Russian Civil War. One of the great important prizes. If you can convince them to support you, then you have access to the following things. You have access to an abundant supply of food. You have access to huge surpluses of manpower. All the, you know, the peasants' young sons who can are ready to go off and fight uh, can be used. And you have access to a lot of horses as well. Um, and also, you can help to. You can help to dominate and to uh, control large areas of terrain. Um, the whites have nothing to offer the peasants, only more of the same. And so many peasants in Russia uh, found themselves uh, supporting the Bolsheviks really by default through lack of any better choice. Um, the, as I've said, the policies of war communism lead to absolute devastation amongst the peasants. Um, the Cheka, the uh, new um, Bolshevik secret police, um, have requisition squads with soldiers and treat the peasants with appalling cruelty, um, but the peasants fight back. Throughout the civil war between the Reds and the Whites, there's a second civil war going on. And that's the civil war, this is the kind of the guerrilla war, where the, the peasants fight both the Bolsheviks and the Whites. In white-controlled areas, the, the peasants would fight against grain requisitions and they would look on the whites with a particular loathing because the whites were very often um, aristocratic landlords, some of whom who were known to the peasants. Um, the Bolshevik um, commissars and Cheka detachments who came to the villages, if they weren't careful, could be surrounded and murdered by uh, angry peasants um, who were also becoming increasingly desperate as they re the last remainder of their food was being stripped away. The only thing that really keeps the peasants in any way um, slightly more to the Bolshevik side is the promise of land, which, as we know, will become a false promise later on. So by the end of the Civil War, uh, again, between the Reds and the Whites, this extra Civil War, this additional Civil War, I is raging, um, in places such as Tambov province, um, the, uh, the, the new Bolshevik government, the new communist government, completely loses control. And, and a peasant uprising using guerrilla tactics is beyond the ability of the communists to defeat. Um, the, um, the, the rebellion centres, finally, the most successful element of the rebellion centres around um, a peasant called Antonov, who leads a, uh, a peasant, um, almost a peasant army of some 20,000 men uh, against the Bolsheviks. But ultimately, the, the state prevails for the following reasons. Firstly, they um, start to use uh, aircraft and poison gas against the peasants. 
Secondly, the Peasant Rebellion breaks down into petty banditry um, and um, it loses any idealism um, that it might have had. And thirdly, there really is no way of winning against the state. The peasants can't simply declare themselves independent. They can't get away from the state. Um, they can't uh, break away and form a new country. Um, ultimately, the Peasant Rebellion is a kind of... Um, uh, a, a waiting game on the Bolsheviks' part. And the Bolsheviks win eventually by using new tactics and using aircraft and poison gas. Um, and the the result is, um, again, once again, horrendous bloodshed for the peasants. Um, Lenin advocates at one point of hanging peasants from, the, from trees on the hilltops so that um, their corpses can be seen by people for miles around. Um, that gives you an indication of how, how Lenin feels about the peasants. Um, the uh, peasant rebellion frightens Lenin more than anything else during the Civil War, and it frightens Lenin more than anything else during the Civil War because the peasants have the possibility to starve the country. They control the food supply. The other um, great shock for Lenin, the uh, second theme, is the mutiny of the Kronstadt sailors. Now, the Kronstadt sailors in 1917 had been the stalwarts of the revolution. They had been the, um, the most politicised and enthusiastic supporters of the revolution. And uh, traditionally, uh, amongst um, the, the sailors of the Tsar's imperial navy, um, there had always been a, you know, a, a deep uh, revolutionary underground amongst them because they were treated so badly, for the most part. Um, it was here that um, uh, Lenin finds his strongest supporters in 1917. Um, and it is the Kronstadt sailors who sail the battleship Aurora up the River Neva during the October Revolution and, and turn, it turns its guns on the Winter Palace and, um, and fires them, blowing out the windows and convincing the provisional government that all is lost. So for these people to turn against the Bolsheviks must mean really that something quite terrible has gone wrong. And from the point of view of the Kronstadt sailors, the following complaints um, were, uh, were... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Evident. Firstly, that the Bolsheviks appeared to be corrupt. They appeared to be taking all the best food, the nice hotel rooms, the bottles of champagne from the Tsar's um, cellars, uh, driving around in limousines, and they'd established themselves as a new ruling class. Secondly, um, the uh, damage that was done to Russia uh, in the peasant villages during war communism and in the towns and cities where workers were forced to work uh, round the clock in order to make ammunition and weapons for the, the new Bolshevik Red Army. Um, this was a, 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 a price that the, uh, in, in, in terms of democracy and rights and freedoms that the um, Kronstadt sailors thought that Russia should not be paying. And uh, thirdly, the, um, the Kronstadt sailors really believed in the rights of the Soviets, uh, the workers and soldiers and sailors' councils, not in the, uh, the rights of the Bolshevik party. They believed that they had been duped into forging a revolution for Lenin and the Bolsheviks, not for the Soviets, and that's not what they were interested in. So in 1921, the, uh, the island of Kronstadt, which is uh, a fortress in the Gulf of Finland, declares itself an independent state, um, and the Kronstadt sailors began to discuss how they might be best uh, able to overthrow the Bolshevik government. Instantly, Lenin um, and the the rest of the Bolsheviks uh, claim that the um, the the uh, Kronstadt forces are in league with the Whites. They're in league with foreign powers, um, and that there are enemy agents on the island of Kronstadt, which is probably not the case. Um, the British and the French were thinking of ways that they could perhaps help the Kronstadt sailors but then ultimately decide not to bother having lost interest in um, intervening in Russia. Um, the Kronstadt sailors hold out um, for several months until um, the ice between uh, Petrograd and the island of Kronstadt freezes, and then the Bolsheviks uh, and the Red Army are able to make their move. And under a, uh, a very prestigious, a very important figure, uh, General Tukhachevsky, of whom we shall talk about another time, um, they, they make one first advance across the ice towards Kronstadt, which is repelled and is um, a disaster. And then they make two further attacks on Kronstadt Island um, and suffer tens of thousands of losses, but finally manage to destroy the, the garrison on, uh, on the base of Kronstadt. Um, the Kronstadt sailors are, are mercilessly uh, um, butchered, um, and the ones that escape, a great many are hunted down. Some run across the ice and make it to Finland, uh, but a great many are buried in mass graves in the forests near Petrograd. Um, as a, a warning to all traitors... And the, 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 there is intensely savage violence and savage fighting. And some of the Red Army soldiers um, wrote diaries and were amazed at how hard the um, Kronstadt sailors fought. 
and they fought to the death because they knew there would be no mercy for them, but also because these were very idealistic, politicised men who had been heartbroken to see the death of the dream of freedom that they believed would be coming. Um, finally, the final challenge that Lenin faces is from within the party itself. Now, Lenin had, uh, during the Civil War, um, centralised decision-making. Many of the Bolsheviks hoped that, the, that now their party was in power uh, and all of the you know, bourgeois parties or all of the non-revolutionary parties were to be um, uh, banned, that at least within the Bolshevik party there would be some degree of democracy, that many opinions would be allowed to be heard and many people would be allowed to have their say, um, and if you were a party member, then you could contribute. Now, this becomes less and less the case, and more and more big decisions are made uh, centrally by Lenin and by the Politburo, which was a five-man committee. The Politburo and Lenin um, don't allow any party democracy, and finally... Uh, one very outspoken and very free-thinking member of the Bolsheviks, Alexandra Kolontai, who had become the, originally the Commissar for um, Foreign Affairs and then had moved around variously. So a very, um, very liberated, interesting, bohemian kind of character uh, who was one of you know, Russia's uh, you know, first, first great um, figures of revolutionary feminism. Um, she um, and um, uh, a colleague of hers, Shliapnikov, both um, demand uh, more party democracy and they create a faction within the party called the Workers' Opposition. And Lenin rounds on the Workers' Opposition and says, well, this is evidence of disunity within the party and disloyalty. And he passes a ban on factionalism. Um, now, I want you to focus on this one concept because this one moment... This one law passed by Lenin changes Russia forever and it makes it more possible, more, more possible, uh, more likely that Stalin will be able to come to power. The ban on factionalism prevents anybody who is, um, who has ideas that differ from Lenin's from uh, espousing them or discussing with them, uh, or discussing them with other people. Uh, anyone found um, it having um, you know, separate meetings, separate discussions, separate policy initiatives um, that haven't been okayed by Lenin or haven't come from Lenin will be expelled from the party. It is illegal in party terms to have factions. Now, Lenin dies in 1924, and in the years that follow that, and we will look at the, the rise of Stalin in a few weeks' time, but in the years that follow that, Le, um, Stalin uses the ban on factionalism in order to prevent there being any other sources of power within the party other than that which flows from him. Um, so the ban on factionalism is one of the great blows to the possibility of a, a democratic future uh, for the Soviet Union. Um, and a real catastrophe in many ways. The, um, in 1918, um, Lenin had been shot several times by um, a woman called Fania Kaplan, 
who had been a revolutionary um, uh, SR um, and uh, had uh, been appalled by how the Bolsheviks had seized, had cancelled elections and seized power. Lenin never really recovered from these wounds. Um, he had repeated bouts of ill health uh, and several strokes up until 1924 when he finally dies. Between 1921 and 1924, Lenin introduces uh, a new economic policy. Um, Lenin looks at the Kronstadt Rebellion, he looks at the devastation of Russia, and he says, you know, the Kronstadt Rebellion is like a bolt of lightning that illuminates the whole landscape and shows people such as him exactly what's really going on. Um, and so he introduces the new economic policy, which is the um, uh, which is a, uh, allowing a small scale level of capitalism back into Russia. So that means um, allowing the peasants to trade food uh, instead of requisitioning it all. It means allowing markets to establish themselves within towns and cities. During the Russian Civil War, there was so much starvation in Russian cities because markets were completely banned. Any kind of private trade was completely banned under, under war communism. Um, and this um, flowering of a low level of capitalism, again, it creates dissent within the party because many of the old Bolsheviks look at this and say, well, we fought the Civil War. We fought to annihilate uh, capitalism. And what's um, the leader doing? He's allowing it to re-establish itself. Um, what was all the sacrifice for? Lenin, objectively, uh, says that, well, the state will retain control of what he calls the commanding heights of, capital, of um, um, industry. So railways, uh, electricity generation, heavy industry, uh, communications, telegraph, that kind of thing. Um, steel foundries, um, all the um, all the big stuff, the state will continue to control. But you can allow um, the the bourgeoisie, the kulaks, uh, the the rich peasants, to have their little bit of capitalism. Um, what many um, very sincere and ardent um, communist revolutionaries start to see on the streets of uh, Petrograd and of Moscow and other cities are these small traders um, the, the, of, of the new economic policy or the, the, or the, the NEP men as they're called um, and many of these small traders are despised because a new ethos has, has sprung up in Russia the idea that one is rewarded simply for the work one does and that is almost a kind of a... Um, a moral imperative that you know one does not one should not be rewarded for the work of others one should not be rewarded simply because one has the ability to trade things you if you eat it's because you have worked that day um, the introduction of the new economic policy um, uh, causes um, Lenin all manner of, of internal strife within the party and when Lenin dies there is no indication of what's meant to happen with the new economic policy, whether it's meant to continue or whether it's meant to end, whether it was always meant to be a short-term project or is this the future for Russia. Stalin, when he comes to power, in a very brutal and violent um, way, finally resolves these questions 
And one of the reasons for Stalin's rise to power is because these questions were unanswered and nobody knew quite how to answer them. And Stalin, uh, in his own um, tyrannical manner, would provide Russia with an answer. Okay, so just to recap, um, if you're studying the aftermath of the Russian Civil War, there are basically three, perhaps four things to consider. One, the policies of Lenin and the Bolsheviks, uh, particularly war communism, eventually caused an enormous peasant rebellion. Two, that the same policies cause a rebellion amongst the Kronstadt sailors who become disillusioned. And three, that the lack of party democracy that had been uh, stamped out by Lenin during the Civil War also caused um, a, a dissent within the ranks of the Bolsheviks called the Workers' Opposition. And the fourth point to consider is that Lenin actually tries to heal these rifts not using socialism, but using elements of capitalism. So it does raise the question, to what extent really had Lenin been successful in creating a communist state? And one might argue, not really. Anyway, I'll leave you on that thought, and if you want any more help, you can always email me at www.explaininghistory.com, or you can pick up our newsletter, which is um, available every week. Sign up for that, and you can get all manner of updates, book reviews, and other handy bits and bobs. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.